welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to the lead singer of a band that I would confidently call the most successful South African metal band of all time, while also making some of the most incredibly fantastic and brutal metal to ever come out of this country. They're just busy smashing expectations all over the place, raising the bar for themselves one release at a time. I am, of course, talking about Duncan Bentley from Vulvadynia. Duncan, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really good today. I'm also suffering in the PE heat today. It's actually quite hot and humid. But yeah, no, I'm doing good. And you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm also suffering in the Cape Town heat. It is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ridiculously hot here right now but thankfully we're recording in sea point so i've got that like lacquer sea breeze that that's nice. flowing through the apartment <laughs> um yeah we recorded my producer's house uh because i live in the middle of cape town and it's so hot in the middle of the cbd i would never do that to myself. <laughs> yeah and not to mention noisy Oh my God. So while we're talking about noise and we laugh about this sometimes, my my producers and I, I live in a, uh, I live next to the garden center and in the road where it's the delivery access for Woolworths and pick and pay. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like every single truck 24 seven. It's just ridiculous. But anyway. Yeah, um, I'm in the same boat here where I'm in PE as well. It's like I'm on the main road here where all the bars are. So as soon as it's, it's weekend, it's just chaos. I need to do most of my recording at night. <laughs> oh my, yeah, but don't lie. You go down every every now and 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 then and have a little coffee with them. You're just like, oh, yeah, I can't no, it's like being right here yeah, on the on the main road with all the bars. We can just head out and and uh, it's not far to just head back home and stumble back in. <laughs> oh my God, it sounds to me like you're living your your best life. <laughs> I won't lie, but listen, listen. There's there's so much to talk about with you. But before we get into all things Wolverdania. On a more personal note, I have to ask you, what hair products do you use, Duncan? Because honestly, (laughs) you have the most majestic hair. And from someone who's been growing their hair for like the last three years after I like chopped it off, I'm so jealous. So I need to know your secrets. I need to know your routine. (laughs) Tell me. It's funny that you ask. Like, um, I don't know. I don't use any of these like main brands when it comes to the hair products because like, I don't Mm -hmm. know, that stuff just messes my hair up completely. And like with the length that I'm dealing with now, it gets not so quickly but i've been using this like it's a south african brand called uh, i worry uh hey sponsor me sponsor me (laughs) and uh yeah i've just been buying their stuff they sell it at clicks and it's the only stuff that i use um and yeah it's just it's you know uh, paraben free and uh, all all those good things for your hair and (laughs) so that's mainly what i use and yeah uh, the rest of the band members too i know they all have their own special uh, methods and shampoos that they use but uh, when we're on tour, we like to just, uh, you know, use each other's shampoos and test it out and see how it is. <laughs> uh, how do I spell I- Iori? I think it's like I-O. I-O. Let me double check the chat. Because I'm adding it to my, to my wish list. <laughs> Things yeah, there's it. I-W-O-R-I. Iori. Iori. What a cool name. <laughs> I wonder, like, oh, I like, Africa. 
Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so it's got to be like some sort of traditional, like I'm dying to know what it means, but it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll Google that later and I'll go into the history of Iwari um, and, and go, go buy some at clicks later when we're done with this recording. But you mentioned... Using Iwari, there's no need to worry. If you... Sponsor me. Sponsor me. <laughs> oh, my God. If you get a, a, a hair shampoo sponsor off the back of this podcast... Yeah, I'd love to I'm get gonna... endorsed by like a hair product company. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you're not already by like Pantene or you know something. <laughs> yeah, like... we do enough of those cool hair flicks in our music videos that they could use in their ads. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! That yeah, because like I'm trying to think of the hair adverts that I've seen on TV lately, and like most of them are pretty lame. Like, how cool would it be to come from a totally different angle and use a metal band as your spokespeople? Yeah, just head to product? a metal show. Everybody's got luscious long hair. <laughs> yeah, and give out like free samples and shit. Like, oh my God, it's actually so smart if you think about it. <laughs> like, it's a whole untapped market for, for Pantene. Exactly. I always in there. They're in there. <laughs> oh my God. But I want to talk about the bio on your website, right? Because it's, it's, it's yeah. quite a mouthful, which makes sense. Because like Vulvodynia, you guys, it's, it's a lot. Like, you know, but if you could boil it down, right? I'd, I would say that you're a slam means death metal band. Um, but, <laughs> you know, metal and all of its subgenres is quite niche. And I feel like already it's a little bit of an acquired taste. So I want you to take me back to the first time that you listened to metal and, and you could actually feel the groove. What was it about metal that just struck a chord with you? Yeah, I don't know. Like also growing up, uh, my parents both uh, love classic rock bands like Metallica and ACDC and Black Sabbath and things like that. So growing up, I always heard those type of influences in the background. And when I hit my teenage years, uh, my sister was actually dating this one guy and he was a full-on medley and he, he put me onto a lot of the first bands that I listened to. And then just after seeing the, the I don't know, like the energy and uh, like the, the feeling it gives you when you listen to metal, uh, it was like a, uh, a way for me to just fit in and just like feel like that I belonged in a certain place. And like, um, I don't know, I was bullied a lot when I was younger. And when I found metal, it also just gave me that strength that I needed to just stand up against all those type of people and just be like, you know, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I was actually going to ask, you know, what kind of kid were you in high school? Because um, <laughs> all of my, <laughs> my friends who are metal musos like they're all teddy bears you know they're all like the loveliest <laughs> like kindest yeah. nicest people um but they might not necessarily look that way or you know society yeah, might no, deem exactly that like in the mosh pit yeah. on stage it's like brutal as hell and then off stage it's like oh it's a kitty <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but but i mean when you think back 
on high school, I mean, the bullying aside, do you think back on those days fondly or is it just kind of something that you're yeah, like? Yeah, no, oh, like I know. think like so I, I got bullied a lot during my primary school days and then as soon as I hit high school, I was like, I'm going to reinvent myself. <laughs> and then like <laughs> I discovered, you know, like death metal and uh, like thrash metal and all the heavier uh, extreme metal genres. And I just, uh, you know, I, I started dressing a lot more brutal and I just felt like kids didn't want to bully me anymore because they were scared of me. <laughs> so it just gave me like a bit of uh, a strength and um, you know a bit of belonging in certain places and when I started going to my first shows it just you know it was set in stone for me I knew that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And then when did you attempt your first scream? I really want to know this because like and like where did you (laughs) learn the the technique because I feel like if I had to try it I would literally like tear my throat my throat apart because it because there is there is a a way that you can do it properly and professionally and safely yeah no definitely yeah no um I actually I started out in like 2008 um I just met a good friend of mine that uh named Len John and he put me onto deathcore which is another extreme metal genre and uh, Mm -hmm. they do these things called pig squeals and I heard the first pig squeal, and I was like, what the hell is this? This guy's doing this with his voice. <laughs> and then uh, that buddy of mine, I was actually doing uh, pig squeals, and he, he knew how to vocal. Um, and you get two different techniques, like inhale vocals and exhale vocals. And when I first started out, I used to do inhale vocals, and he taught me how to do that. And I, I would be, like, practicing that shit every day at school, and uh, <laughs> I feel like I would, I'd just scare the shit out of everybody while doing it. But that's the cool thing about <laughs> vocals is that you can practice it wherever you go, and you don't need to you know have a lot of money to buy instruments and things like that so yeah at a young age I was already just testing the waters and trying it out and then after like two or three years in like 2010 I ended up joining my first band uh, a thrash band called Thunderkill and Mm -hmm. uh, that's where I first got to test the waters with actually doing my vocals live and things like that but uh, after a few years I ended up progressing to XL vocals and most of the I don't know, the, the ways I learned were just via YouTube. I used to just watch tutorials on YouTube and uh, learn from friends and just like kind of watch other vocalists do their thing and try and mimic what they do with their, with their mouth positions and things like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, extreme metal vocals, but it's like I've been doing it for now over 10 years and I'm still learning things every day. So it's awesome. Mm. I want to talk very briefly about your other two bands, Sinus Trap and Savleg. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I was, I was yes, sure I was going to yes. screw it up. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Yay! Woo! Uh, how, how does it work juggling the three bands, right? Because Vulvodynia, I mean, you guys like over the last few years have just completely exploded and you're everywhere. Yeah, your yeah. fan base is huge and you're also the, the vocalist of, of, for two other bands. So how do you juggle that? Um, well, actually, like when, when we were starting out, uh, I, I had started as many projects as possible because I had like this, this thing that I heard the once where they're like, if you throw enough shit at the wall, something's going to stick. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was in like 10 bands at once. And uh, eventually, Volvodinia was the one band that started picking up and doing really well. So obviously the other bands started falling off and I, uh, I lost interest in them. And then Zavleg done really well after Chris and I from Volvodinia recorded like a little EP and put it up online. And our idea was just to make the longest band name in the world and it blew up and it done really well. 
So that stuck. And uh, I don't know, in the last few years, I've been getting a lot, like really into hip hop and especially trap and trap metal and those type of genres. So I wanted to do something while I was stuck in lockdown with my fiance. And we just like, why don't we start a rap group together? <laughs> so we, we done that. And like, it, I feel like in the last two years, it was pretty easy to juggle everything because I mean, we've been stuck at home and not being able to tour and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, no, I'm really used to being in quite a lot of projects. And if you want to make a living doing music, you gotta be doing mm. a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's why it's, it's pretty easy for me. And I actually want to start more projects. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, definitely. Like uh, I do session stuff online as well. So my voice is already in a bunch of other bands that I don't really, you know, tag on my, on my page, but uh, there, there's so many other things I'd like to just try and, you know, see if something blows up. <laughs> so basically oh like you one of those people that you have to be busy all the time it sounds like it to me yeah no definitely like yeah to make a living off of music and not work like a, a five to nine or something like that it's like you have to mm. what do you do when you get time off um, well, there's a lot of different things I do. I have like all kinds of different side hustles. At the moment, I've been doing uh, artwork, like a digital art. So I've gotten into Rad. doing like album covers and NFTs and those type of things. And then uh, before that, I was heavily into e-commerce. Like I, I run a clothing brand called Crowdkill Apparel. And we mm -hmm. do a lot of all over print merchandise for bands all over the world and things like that. Um, and then I don't know, I also have photography that I do and... Um, uh, gaming, obviously, <laughs> and all kinds of things <laughs> like that. Uh, but I'm trying to like expand and do as many things as possible, so you know I can hit that milli as soon as quick. <laughs> uh, I mean, we are you and I are just out here chasing our milli. <laughs> our <first one. laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I feel you. I feel like you're a kindred spirit. <laughs> I understand you more now because you've got 500 side hustles. I've got 500 side hustles. Um, yeah, you and gotta. I, you gotta. Yeah, and if I need anybody to design stuff for me, I'm totally going to hit you up. <laughs> yeah, please do, please do. <laughs> you know, um, I think what, like the one of the things that we've been mentioning that have come up like quite a bit over the last 10 minutes that we've been talking is the fact that it's not easy to be a musician in South Africa, let alone a touring musician. And taking your sound overseas is super hard work, not to mention ridiculously expensive. But I think that there've been a few yeah, acts yeah. that have done it quite successfully and sustainably over the years from South Africa. But you've done it very well. Was there any sort of model that you followed? And, you know, were there any people who you were reaching out to for help when you were first, you know, dipping your toe into the overseas water? Yeah, yeah. Um the thing is, when we started out, we just, uh, we didn't have a lot of other bands in the country that were doing our genre. <laughs> so we were just looking at other bands overseas that we looked up to and trying to do things exactly the same way that they do it. And the cool thing about the genre we're playing is that it's, it's quite small. And a lot of the musicians in the bigger bands are really friendly. So 
uh, we hit up a lot of artists that we looked up to in the beginning and asked them if they'd like to feature on our songs. And a lot of them agreed uh, free of charge, which blew our minds. And I feel like that boosted us a lot in the overseas market because uh, people would be looking for new music and then they'd see artists that they already know featuring on our songs. So then they would listen to us and, and whatnot. And also a lot of people had never, especially overseas, have never really heard of metal bands coming from Africa. So when we were mm. like, you know, marketing ourselves as this, you know, brutal death metal band or like death core band from South Africa. No, People were just uh, like, wow, we want to see this band. You know, like they see bands from Africa as like exotic, <laughs> especially in the metal scene. <laughs> so like, I don't know, when we went to Europe for the first time, the response was insane. Like we couldn't believe it at all. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you just got to do things exactly the way the international artists do. And don't be afraid to um, reach out to the artists you look up to. Because if you reach out to maybe 50 there might be five that reply and be like, hey, yeah, no problem. Uh, they might charge, but it's, it's worth it. Like, you can't skimp when you want to, um, you know, hit success. So, like, we did pay uh, quite a bit in the beginning, and we were lucky enough mm -hmm. to have everyone in the band have, like, uh, producer knowledge and just, you know, be able to record from home and mix and master it ourselves and release it without having to pay those costs and put the rest of the money into other things like features and artwork and just making it look really good but you know it's 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 awesome being in this scene because it's not as saturated as like for instance the hip-hop scene so it's a lot easier to break through and uh, metalheads are very i don't know supportive of their bands because they don't want the genre to die so when it comes to merchandise and things like that the, the people overseas buy a lot of merchandise um so yeah can you remember what the first international festival or show was that you played that made you realize, oh, my God, like these online fans are very, very real and like they love us and they appreciate our yeah. sound. And like you said, they're part of this larger metal community. Yeah, no, the thing is definitely when we were like, because when we started the band, we were just like an internet project. There was actually just uh, two members when we started out, uh, Luke and I, and then we had another buddy, Byron, join, and there was a three-piece group for our first two albums, and then only did we get the full band together. So for the first like three or four years, we were just sitting at home, seeing this fan base grow on social media, and you see it growing, but you, you never know if it's real, because I mean, you don't mm -hmm. see these people in person, and then in 2016 we done our first uh, european tour and uh that was just insane for me because as soon as we got there it was in germany and uh, the first show was there and it was completely sold out <laughs> and we, we were flying so much merch and the show was just packed and amazing and straight as soon as we came off stage and we went backstage i just like burst out into tears and i was like we made it guys we made it <laughs> so yeah no i've had a few of those moments and then whenever we play bigger festivals like we played it at obscene extreme festival in czech republic and it's, mm -hmm. it was like 10,000 people or something like that, just a sea of people. And the emotions just take over. You're like, fuck, how did I get here playing, you know, this noisy music? <laughs> I read that you were playing at Death Feast Open Air Festival right after the Black Dahlia murder. Which in itself is huge. But then you actually got to hang out with the band and with Trevor Strunard, yeah, who yeah. not only knew of the band, but also knew your name. Like, how <laughs> did it feel to get that level of recognition? 
Yeah, no, we freaked out because like uh, the Black Dahlia murder was like big, one of our biggest inspirations for the band, and we actually met them for the first time at a, a festival in Germany called also called Death Feast, um, and we met them there for the first time, and then uh, uh, they made good friends with us. And then, uh, it, uh, funny enough, our drummer Tom was like their tour guide through South Africa, so he got to make good friends with them. And yeah, when we uh, met up backstage, it was just like you know, seeing old friends again, <laughs> and that also blows my mind because like all these artists that i've looked up to for so many years are like you know friends now like i can just dm them and they'll reply and it's it's it's, it's mind-blowing <laughs> did did you meet him before or after he featured on mob justice um, so we met him just before, yeah, just before okay. that. And uh, we actually spoke to him then saying like, you know, you have to feature on one of our songs. It would be amazing. And he was like, yeah, hit me up, hit me up. And so, yeah, we managed to get him on the album because of meeting him earlier at a show, which is really rad. But everybody seems to be really down to earth when we meet bigger bands, which is really cool. Oh, that's, that's really, really nice to hear and know because I have interviewed so many people that have turned around and said to me like, oh, meeting your idols or meeting people that you revere is just like the absolute worst when they turn out to be yeah, the biggest like, dicks. <laughs> lucky enough, we, we, we've we met like all well, most of our idols have been really cool guys, but yeah, no, it's, I, I, I know about that happening. Like for instance, we met Dying Fetus. which is another band that we really liked and like they shouted on stage does anybody have a blunt for us so we rolled up a blunt and we like met them backstage and we were waiting and there was like these two chicks like two groupies next to us and like i held up the blunt and they completely ghosted us for the two groupies and we were like Never. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh my god <laughs> So yeah, after yeah, after going through experiences like that, I just told myself I'll never be that person. If I mm. see a fan, I'm gonna go out of my way to just, you know, hang out with them and take a photo. And now, just a quick side note because I have some super exciting news. Over at Text Talks, we get a huge number of artists reaching out to us to highlight their amazing content. And because we plan our seasons quite far in advance, we often can't accommodate requests to spotlight some of the amazing up-and-coming talents South Africa, Africa and the world has to offer. And so we started Text Talks Extra. Text Talks Extra has gone on to become its own beast and thanks to all of your support, we are super excited to announce that our friends in the culture of humor have stepped up to collaborate with us for the next season of Text Talks Extra, launching on the 14th of February. Puma have been at the very forefront of the culture through iconic collabs with the likes of Nomzamo Mabata, Winnie Harlow, Dua Lipa and Cara Delevingne, to Nintendo and even my fave sweeties Haribo, while always looking toward being more sustainable in the pursuit of their biodegradable shoe experiments. I mean, this is the brand that bought us Suede's, a fashion icon that's been a staple since its first drop in the 70s. Finally, keep your finger on that refresh button on Puma's Insta. Rumor has it with restrictions easing more and more, select sessions might just be happening live and in person at their flagship Bramfontein store, so don't say we didn't warn you. We are stoked to be collaborating with Puma again and can't wait to bring you only the freshest content on Tech Talks Extra, including all the happenings in the land of Puma for 2022. Whether it's their latest collab, hashtag select sessions, hashtag Sundays, or just a reminder that she moves us. 
Catch all the drops on at Puma South Africa on Insta or wherever you follow the iconic cat. And now, back to the show. Have you had any, like, like any crazy fan experiences? I'm sure yeah, you must. There, there has your been fans a, are... a lot of crazy fans. We usually call, because you get some fans that just don't leave you alone. Like, once you give them a bit of, like, time, then they mm. just, like, stick <laughs> by your side all night. And sometimes we call those fans punishers. <laughs> and uh, if that happens, then you need to help the other band member and get them out of there. But I had a crazy experience in New York with like this crazy stalker chick that oh, uh, sent me like a hundred DMs and it was all my message requests and I opened it up and it's like all these messages saying like, at first it started out like, hey, I love you. And then it was just, it quickly turned south and she was like, I'm going to kill you. And by the way, I was like, guys, look at this shit. And then we open up her profile picture to look at it. And she's got my fucking name tattooed on her arm. Like, just in impact font. Just giant, like Duncan Bankley. And I'm like, oh, my God, guys, what the fuck? (laughs) And now the whole tour, the band's, like, crying wolf every night. They're like, dude, she's here, she's here. Because, like, they joked around saying she's going to come to the show and, like, fucking stab me or some shit. So every night I'm hiding in the fucking green room. And the band's laughing at me. And eventually I didn't believe them anymore. I was like, fuck you guys you know she's not gonna rock up and then at the very last show of the u.s tour in new york this fucking chick rocks up <laughs> at the show and she's got a backpack uh, and she won't let the bouncers search her backpack so like everybody in the band starts freaking out and we tell the bouncer no that, like this chick wants to kill duncan and uh, like pretty much she stood outside the show all night with this creepy look on her face and she didn't say anything and the bouncer asked her like is this true and she just looked at him and she let out like this creepy laugh and then walked away. So, yeah, there, there's that stalker lady in, in the US that wants to kill me. <laughs> what the actual fuck, Duncan? <laughs> <laughs> That's so hectic. Oh, my God. That's probably one of the best if not definitely my <laughs> no i think that's probably my favorite story that's ever been told on an episode of text talks oh yeah but no, it's crazy <laughs> yeah there, 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 there are some crazy fans out there definitely oh jesus my, <laughs> i saw a i saw a video um on tiktok of a granny like getting down to your music i love your fans your fans are just the best they're, <laughs> so, they're amazing yeah, TikTok is a crazy place, though. Like, I, I don't know. I, I also downloaded it and then went on there so I could go and check, like, where our songs are being used. And I was like, what mm-hmm. the hell? Our one song, Drowned in Vomit, has gone completely viral on TikTok. And there's, like, over a thousand videos used with the track. And it's, what? like, uh, most of it. But it's, like, uh, uh, Spanish TikTok. It's going viral on Spanish TikTok for some reason. <laughs> But yeah, there's a lot of like uh, elderly people just throwing down. I love it. Yeah, there's there's like one granny specifically um, that we were um, we shared it in our uh, our podcast group (laughs) so that so that we could we could we could see. But like, she's just she's the cutest thing. But but your your online content is super. It's super polished. But there are also like a bunch of videos. Will you share some like crazy tour stories? But now having heard the crazy fan story, I think I've heard the best one. <laughs> but, but there's one story in particular that I only watched the first minute of 
because I wanted you to explain the full story to me today. Yeah, yeah. And that's the story of how you got banned from the Coliseum in Slovakia. So Duncan, tell me everything. Don't hold back. Yeah. Like the stalker story. Go. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, what happened was, okay, we rock up in Slovakia. It's our first show there ever. And uh, it's a beautiful place, like all these like cobblestone, like alleyways and stuff. And we, we park the van and we put, we put everything in the venue. And we, we find out now that the sleeping area for the venue is upstairs, like from the bar. So we put all our stuff there and we don't realize that later this is going to be our downfall <laughs> because there's no incentive to leave the venue. And uh, I think the, the festival was called Nice to Eat You uh, Death Fest. And uh, the show went amazingly. We were headlining and the, the promoters of the show just told us like, guys, that was the most killer thing ever. That was amazing. They took us to the bar and they pretty much told the bar, listen, yeah, the band drinks for free tonight. <laughs> and then the promoters just left and the, the whole venue opened up to the public. So now we are getting sloshed out of our minds. And we're touring with another Australian band called Blade of Horrors. And we taught them a few South African slang words and their favorite mm -hmm. one was Puslaka. So all these of Australian course. dudes are just shouting Puslaka and they're like running around the bar and shit. And their vocalist Foon comes to us like super drunk. We're standing there playing foosball and he's like, guys, I'm going to get Puslaka tattooed right above my dick. And we're oh, like, geez. we're like, whoa, that's crazy, bro. Like, yeah, you should do it. And then there's like this Russian dude just sitting at the bar like... He's been drinking alone all night and you can see he's like just he, alcohol does not affect him at all <laughs> and he looks at us and he's like i've got a machine and we're like oh, okay uh, this guy's got a machine he's like i'll go get it and then he goes outside and he goes to get his machine and uh Foon's like fuck I'm, I'm gonna actually get this now and we we were first gonna suss if this guy's got like a proper setup and he's not gonna you know give everybody like uh, fucking aids or something <laughs> and uh, he ends up rocking up there with like a tray and he has a proper setup with like a fucking nice machine and he's got glad wrap and gloves and uh, needles and everything so we're like okay this is cool and we feel really bad now for our homie Foon and <laughs> we head into the bathroom and I tell him because he's busy staying there shaving his pubes and Tom and I are like hey bro we, 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 we're gonna get the tattoo with you man we're going to get this with you. And we all have this camaraderie and we're standing there shaving our pubes in the bathroom. <laughs> and we all walk out mm -hmm. of the bathroom now. This guy's got everything set up. So we write Puss Lacquer down on a piece of paper and Foon's first to go. And he lies down. The guy puts like a single liner, like just one needle into the machine and he starts on it. Okay. And it is like the worst thing we've ever seen. He gets through Puss and it's like, it looks like a fucking one-year-old wrote oh it it's God. just like so squiggly and terrible but we were just cheering him on because we didn't want him to feel bad so he gets to lacquer and he does an l and then an e and then instead of doing the k like all of us are over him looking he does another e and you oh just God, hear oh everybody God. like oh fuck like oh no and the food looks up and he's like what 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 he looks at it and he sees that it's a fuck up and he just starts freaking out and the artist also and everybody so i try and calm everybody down and i tell the artist like dude just just cross out the e and turn it into a k <laughs> so he crosses out this e and he turns it into a k and it looks 
fucking terrible. Like the, oh while it's God. happening, Tom just turns around and walks away. He's like, cheers, pal. <laughs> Tom goes to bed. He goes, and then I'm standing there with food and he finishes up the tattoo. He goes to the mirror and he looks so sad. He looks so bummed. So I look at him and I'm like, dude, Dory, I'm going to get it too. I'm going to get it, bro. But I'm just, I'm not getting it above my deck, bro. <laughs> and then I walk to the Russian guy. I'm like, okay, dude, let's do it on my leg. Yeah, let's set the shit up. So he shaves my leg and he puts in like, he didn't have another single needle and he had like oh a shader. So he put a shader in oh and he God. done the puss lacquer on my leg. And when he got to the lacquer, I told him to fuck up the E, the second E as well and do the cross out so that I can, you know, uh, You're a good make man. my body feel a bit better. <laughs> but then uh, after that all happened, I started drinking even more and I blacked out. Hello darkness, my old friend. And uh, eventually, I was the only one left in the like. I was partying with randoms. Everybody had gone to bed, and I was. But I was ordering drinks from the bar for me, and then giving it to randoms, and just doing that oh, the whole no. night. And then eventually, I was the only one left there. And the bar staff told me, "No, you cut off, bro. You cut off. You're gonna have to head to bed." And I was blackout at this point. And I just told them, like, no, I'm all the way from South Africa. Like, you're not going to cut me off. And, and then apparently I went behind the bar and I just started, like, drinking from the bottles. And the last thing I remember is just this giant Slovakian lady with, like, a missing tooth just knocking me the fuck out. <laughs> and then uh, they threw me, like, into the sleeping area and they closed the door. And uh, I think I slept maybe an hour and I was still blackout when I woke up and they put me in the van. And uh, yeah, the, the next afternoon, the venue just emailed our label and they were like, Valvadinia is banned from the Coliseum. <laughs> They're never coming back. And the band's like, Duncan, why? <laughs> Slovakia is wild. <laughs> yeah, no, it's wild as hell. And it, uh, us crazy South Africans come in and just prove to them that it's nothing compared to us. Oh, yeah, no, we take everything to the next <laughs> level. I think like maybe Africans in general, actually, to be honest, because I'm sure that, you know, of the the metal festival in Botswana called Overthrust Winter Metal yeah, Mania yeah, Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went there in 2019 and it's in this tiny town called Hanzi. And I was so <laughs> shocked at like how these people go all in and people come from yeah, like they go all crazy over the world and i had no idea that there was such a strong metal scene in botswana it totally blew my mind but like having so extensively, hey? i know it's so it's so underground but have, have, do you have you ever like all of the touring that you guys have done have you come across any small niche um metal scenes that like totally blew your mind Mm, okay, yeah, so far, I think it would definitely would be like some small European towns that we've played. Like we played when we went to Spain the first time we, we booked like way too many shows in Spain for some reason. We booked like six or seven and we played this one town called Oviedo and it's like really small. And uh, for some reason, it was like a venue where people bring their dogs like it's, you play downstairs and then people bring their dogs and they just take them off the leash and then they go downstairs and watch the band. But like while I was playing, like there were dogs in the crowd and I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've definitely played some weird places. But last year, just before COVID hit, we actually done uh, a mini African tour 
and we we went to Botswana and Mozambique for the first time and that was definitely out of this world I couldn't believe it and like you said Botswana especially they bought so much merch like they literally bought us out of everything we had and then after all the merch was sold they like bought the shirts off of our backs (laughs) and like uh, they they were throwing money at us on stage as if we were busking like it was really it was crazy (laughs) just shit we'd never seen before and there was like a guy that they initiated into the scene and like they'd done like a circle put around him and then everybody jumped on him and we were just standing on stage like what the fuck is going on (laughs) but it's one of the coolest places ever and like i feel like whenever we uh if we ever bring bands down because we want to start doing that uh bringing Mm -hmm. some bands down to south africa every year especially international acts that we make good friends with uh we want to maybe take them to like botswana for a show and just you know show them these scenes that they're dying to play yeah i feel like so much can be done with the Overthrust Winter Metal Mania Festival. Uh, I, I feel like they just they just need one or two good sponsors, and they need legit infrastructure. Because I mean, Definitely. they. I mean, I remember because uh, I went there with Jägermeister, and we covered the whole festival for um, there was like three four days, and yeah. it sort of starts in the afternoon, and then they they do the procession um, to from the the i think it's like the hall no it's from like a community center to the hall from the police station to the yeah, hall yeah. and then and then they're in the parking lot and they're like shooting guns and they're fucking <laughs> yeah. listening it's to like metal music it's it's proper it's proper hectic and yeah. I, I mean if i didn't mm. have like photographers that it that like took photos and videoed the whole thing. I kind of would have been like, well, maybe I got really drunk and it was all a dream. You know what I mean? But it, <laughs> it, it really was this this experience that I I had to write about, and I really struggled to put it into words because yeah, I, I've you never. Have to be there. Yeah, you have to be there. I mean, I we literally traveled. I don't know how many thousands of kilometers to the middle of nowhere in Botswana, and it was so hot. And the guy who used to run the Hanzi police station is like the main metalhead and everybody loves him and they like mm-hmm. revere him. And then there was, there was a, 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 one of the, the overthrust band, their drummer had died um, and they had raised money for his family. And there was a, a ceremony where they handed over all the money that they raised to his mother oh, and his yeah, sister. It's and, such an amazing thing. I mean, it really is a community that side. They've made such a community out of it and they all look after each other. And one thing that we also loved is everybody has like, like wrestling names. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Like the like crack dust and yeah. and Scarface and like like they all have these nicknames and then like they they give everybody nicknames. <laughs> like we all got nicknames. Mine was something like Evil Jesus or something like that. And oh my god! got one too, and it, it was crazy. It, it, it was such an awesome experience. I remember there was a bar as well, and like these dudes just rocked up with like an oil drum filled with beer, like with quartz, and they were giving it to everybody at the show. And eventually, nobody was buying from the bar. Oh my god! Of course, of course. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was like nothing, nowhere else we had ever played. It was really yeah. rad. And Mozambique as well. When we played there, it was just so packed and like such a cool city as well. I've never been to Mozambique. Where where did you guys go? 
Um, I, I think it was the, uh, like the capital city. I'm not too sure. Maputo. It, we drove from a Durban show up into this massive city. Uh, and it was like as soon as you get into Mozambique. But okay. uh, I know the borders were always hectic for us. Like, like dudes with like AK-47s and they searched the whole van like head to toe. <laughs> yeah, because they obviously see like long hair. <laughs> yeah, but the, like as long as you're traveling with like artists from that side, because we were traveling with another band called Norbermide uh, from Mozambique, and as soon as we got pulled over, uh, they jumped out of their van and they came and also spoke to the cops and things like that. And but it, it was chill. We didn't have anything on us, but it was just like the scary experience because these dudes have guns and stuff. Mm, yeah, I mean nobody wants <laughs> nobody wants to fuck up on a border like that's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's ask Novak Djokovic. Anyway, I don't want to, <laughs> don't want to talk about <laughs> tennis players. Yeah, no, fuck. Yeah, we've had a lot of run-ins with like police and things like that overseas, and it's always a scary thing. But really, yeah, luckily we we're, we're safe. Yeah, in the US was the scariest because we watched so much cops, and we, that was my like the worst fear going that side. I was like, I just don't want to run into any police. <laughs> and then we actually we bought some legal weed in a, in a state and we were driving through Georgia and we got pulled over by some cops there and it's illegal there and like they found the weed on us and like it was super Oof. scary but I, uh, I think they were looking for like heavier drugs and through mm -hmm. the whole thing they the, the one cop had his hand on his gun the whole time and we had our hands in the air <laughs> and they didn't tell us like put your hands up we were just standing <laughs> with our hands in the air like don't shoot don't shoot but then right at the end, they're like, um, uh, they're like, oh, so you guys are a band? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, like Nickelback. And then no, <laughs> we're no. just like, yeah, you're just like Nickelback. Just like Nickelback. And then he gave me a piece of paper and he's like, write, write the band name down. And like while I'm writing the band name down, I'm just shaking. Like <laughs> I barely got it down. But uh, yeah, I'm sure oh, if man. they did go and listen to us afterwards, they're like, this is not like Nickelback at all. <laughs> Yeah, your your handwriting basically looked like that guy who tried to tattoo puss like a <laughs> like all squiggly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Yeah, you know, it, it was oh crazy. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, no, we've just said now it's better not to travel with anything, and you just when when you get to each show, there will be a fan that will hook you up with some weed, definitely. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there will always be a fan that will hook you up with some weed. Yeah, definitely. Or you just ask ahead of time. I'll make sure that if I ever, if I ever go to a festival, I know you guys will be there. I'm definitely going to have weed on me, 100%. I know, I know. Well, are going to be there. I need to, I need to have their backs. Like I've had this this conversation with Duncan now. If I don't, I'm just lame. I'm just a lame fan. So. <laughs> but but I want to, I want to go back to to merch because you, you mentioned that when you went to Botswana they were like throwing money at you and they bought all your merch and they bought the merch off your back and I feel like you guys you're very smart because you've built such a strong brand and you understand the power and the potential of merch and to make lots of money from merch as well but talk to me yeah, a little yeah. bit about branding and merchandise and how you guys got it so so right um, I feel like definitely from the beginning, we, we saw that bigger bands, especially if you look at like the big tier bands like Iron Maiden and Metallica and those type of bands, they turn their logo into a brand. And that's why you see like Metallica shirts and things like that at like H&M now. 
And we knew from the beginning that that's something you have to do. You need to be a band and a brand. So with music comes merchandise. And if you want to be touring full time, you need to sell a shit ton of merch, especially going from South Africa to like Europe or the US. Like our visa costs are 10 times more. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just it, things cost a lot. So we were like, the, the only way we're going to be able to pay for these things is with merch. And when we started out, we tried doing our own merch from South Africa and shipping it off overseas to fans. But the cost of shipping from South Africa almost costs more than the shirt itself type of thing ridiculous Uh, so then we realized we need to you know partner with somebody overseas who can print and ship our merch for us so then we we got a merch guy in the uk at first that we were uh, like doing all our merch with and he was taking 50 percent of the profit and then after a few years uh there was actually this rick and morty episode that came out with pickle rick i'm pickle rick and that was like brand new and we loved the episode and we hit up one of our artists and we told him hey make a t-shirt with pickle rick like just ripping rats to shreds and we released (laughs) the shirt like a week after the episode came out and we made like well not gross profit but like there was like a hundred thousand rands worth of sales like ten thousand dollars type of thing and we were like what the fuck you know the potential of this and then we had to split 50 percent with that merch guy and we were just like no 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 we can't do this anymore so uh after that we found uh indie merch and rising merch and impericon and all these uh companies that all the big bands uh, metal bands and rock bands go through to sell their merchandise and we emailed them and we were at the level where they're willing to take us on. So now we're lucky enough to have all of our merchandise running through those type of stores. And they only take about, I think, like 20% or around there of the profit and things like that. So it's, it's a lot better for us. And uh, it just it proved to us as well that like merch is everything. And if we want to be able to hit the road properly and, you know, not come home broke as, as hell and, you know, not be able to pay our rent, then we need to be able to do that. So, yeah. Mm. I mean, you're incredible at what you do merch-wise. You own a clothing label. You are into graphic design. You're into photography. (laughs) I mean, where did you learn how to be such a hustler? Because I feel like you're on a mission (laughs) to build like an empire here, Duncan. No, well, yeah, the thing is you just – because I feel like when we first started, uh, uh, like when I – quit my last job and I decided to just do it full time sitting at home you realize like shit I need to do a lot now I need to just try and put myself out there and try and do as much as possible but I feel like it's just like that for now and then once certain things start blowing up and doing really well then certain side hustles fall off but I'm still Mm -hmm. at that stage of my life as well where I'm still trying to decide exactly what what hustles I want to do for the rest of my life and uh, but I really like digital art and all of that type of stuff so it just felt natural for me and uh, graphic design comes hand in hand with being in a band like if you can do your own mock-ups and uh, you know album art and just uh, shit like that for for promo then it's really good uh, to have that in the band a lot of bands pay graphic designers to do that and if you can do Mm. it yourself then so I just started learning all of that while we were on tour and everything I've learned has either been like Skillshare <laughs> classes or like uh, YouTube or the, that type of stuff. So I've always just learned online. We're living in like the matrix age. We can just plug into the internet and, and learn anything if we've got enough time on our hands. Mm. You know, looking at your current international tour schedule, you guys are pretty much booked out from like March to May. It's incredible. But are you able to even get excited about tours these days or do you have to tell yourself, okay, cool, you know, don't get too amped. The world could shut down at any moment. 
Like, yeah. is this something that you actively think about? And and if it is, because I don't know how it couldn't be, does it affect you in any way? Um, I feel like we're definitely at the point now where we we're just taking everything with a pinch of salt and we we definitely aren't getting excited because we know there could be that big disappointment of like a new variant or something right around the corner. It's already mm. happened the whole of last year. <laughs> so yeah, we definitely at the point now where we're just trying to, uh, you know, not take everything to heart, but still get our visas ready <laughs> and uh, yeah, try and hit the road. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's COVID's just been a, uh, 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 a blessing and a curse because like we had that time to sit at home and record this awesome new album that's done so mm -hmm. well and like uh the thing is that we've lost out on a lot of money though because playing shows also and selling merch overseas is is, is a big uh, part of the the business but yeah no i think the the u.s tour is 100 percent happening um we're just a bit scared about the europe tour in march now uh, we have our visas ready and all of that, but we see some European countries going back into lockdown and whatnot, but we'll see closer to the time. Holding thumbs. <laughs> mm, holding thumbs, definitely. Holding all appendages. But you mentioned your incredible latest album, and I want to know what came out of the collaborative writing process that was different from all of your previous releases. Um, yeah, all, all of our previous releases were all recorded separately at home, like mm -hmm. in, in different parts of South Africa, because a lot of us live all over SA. And uh, so that just never gave us the chance to like actually, you know, tell the person, hey, wait, maybe re-record that part or hey, maybe why don't you change this? Or do you just have to accept whatever you get? Whereas with this album, it finally gave us that chance now with no touring and nothing going on to just fly up to Joburg and write together and bounce ideas off of each other and have more time uh because with mob justice we were touring non-stop and we we barely had time to sit down and you know write a lot of songs because with this one we wrote a, a ton of songs and we got rid of a few and we picked the best ones and that's what we ended up using and the the storyline of prenantius infinity as well is just like a massive massive um collaboration of everything that we've taken in in our lives uh and it took a long time and I know the band wanted to be in on the lyric writing and uh, the, the vocal process and all of that. So uh, it's just really nice being able to record together and have everything real as well. Because all of our previous uh, drums in our previous records were also all programmed drums, uh, electronic drums. And uh, the newer record is Tom's Real Kit. And that's awesome to have. And that's literally why people can't get enough of this new album. But I mean, one of the thing I, things I love the most about your releases is how your lyrical content varies in such a massive, massive way. I mean, you go from talking about like murder to aliens, to <laughs> drugs, to like commentary on the state of South African politics, which is incredible. <laughs> what, what are some of the themes on your most recent album? Um, so with the newer album, uh, we just wanted to touch on like all of the sci-fi stuff that has influenced us throughout our lives. And we released a little EP back in 2015 called uh, Finis Omnium Ignorantium, which is Latin for the end of all ignorance. And uh, with that album, we wanted to do a little alien concept album. And it, we, we released it and it didn't pick up too well with the fans but over the years that ep got like a small cult following so when we were thinking classic. about what to 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, like when we were thinking of things to write about with the new album, we were just like, yeah, let's continue that EP and finish the story. So Prenantius is Latin for Harbinger. And he's like a interdimensional being, a godlike being that uh, devours planets in order to uh, gain the power from the, the living life forms on the planet. And he was born from the sin of the gods themselves. And he's bent, hell bent on destroying all the gods that created him because they cast him out into the abyss and they rejected him. So we were just like, love- yeah, let's do a cool concept album. And it ended up being like, almost an entire book's worth of lyrics that we had to try and compress into, you know, uh, just a few songs. So I'd love to do a graphic novel down the line, and we've been speaking to the label about it. So that might actually happen, a small Prenantius Infinity graphic novel. Constantly working, constantly brainstorming, constantly hustling. Duncan Bentley from Vulvadinia, thank you so much for joining me today on Text Talks. Honestly, this has been one of my favorite conversations for the books. Uh, and Thank you so uh, much for having me. It's been one of my yeah, favorite interviews. I mean... <laughs>
to Vulvodinia for joining us in studio. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Tex Talks. From me, your host, Tex, producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewis, and researcher Al Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. Head on over to texttalks.com for all our previous episodes. And remember, that's Tex with a double X.